You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Great, uh, great to have you with us here today. If you're new among us, a special warm welcome. Uh, delighted to have you here. And uh, thank you for those that are praying for our, our young adults on their weekend away. I got just over 100 people away in the middle of Wales and great reports coming back of encounters with God. We know last night lots of people were filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues for the first time and, and pressing in to the Lord and just so encouraging to hear what God is doing. Uh, Danny Murphy, who leads Life Church Bedworth, a friend of ours, is uh, ministering that weekend out there with his wife Naomi and, and their they're three boys. And I just texted him last night to say thank you because I'd heard great reports from some of our people. And he came back to me saying this, the privilege has been ours. The young adults here are so hungry for the presence of God. And God is satisfying their desire for more of him. They're a total credit to you and your church. Naomi and I will leave inspired and challenged by them. And uh, just so excited that, that that is the legacy uh, here. And may that long be the legacy in this house that we're a a house that hungers and pursues God himself and settles for nothing less. And uh, also delighted to bring an update on Jonathan Chand, who's hiding. There's Jonathan. Um, John, if you're new among us, Jonathan's one of our assistant pastors here, here with his wife, Doris, and uh, a little boy, Joel. And uh, some of you heard a report. Jonathan's been uh, undergoing some treatment through this year, uh, diagnosed with a form of cancer at the start of the year and, and undergoing chemotherapy in the first half of the year. And then we made an announcement just for the summer because he was going into uh, some more intense treatment to put the cancer into long-term remission. And they said, you know, it may take six months for him to recover. So we said, look, let's take the pressure off. We'll, we'll just assume you out of action here. But he's doing incredibly well and is way ahead of the curve. So he's... Uh, it's a bit strange to be talking about you when you're here in the room, but, but, but uh, we'll be back to work this week, and so we're so excited about that and uh, really thrilled. So thank you. Um, coming back part-time at first and building up his strength and stamina, but thank you for all of those who prayed for Jonathan and, and Doris. Do continue to pray for them and uh, continue on their journey. It made me laugh this week because he said uh, he's been running three times a week but didn't know if he was allowed to run so he kind of kept it on the down low. But then his consultant, when she saw him, said, have you been running? And he kind of said, yeah, she said, I know you have, because you've been running past my house. And uh, so like, <laughs> like completely busted. So uh, anyway, but that's great. And we give thanks to God and, and cheering you on, John. Uh, so awesome. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I love the moments of life. Uh, there are some incredible moments. I love the moment. I love I love the moment that you get on autumn days like this when it's a clear day and just before the sun goes down, sometimes the, the sky goes an incredible pink and orange. I, I love that moment. It doesn't last for long and then it changes. I, I, love, I love the moment in a movie where often towards the end, the plot comes together and the characters come together and the emotion of the film comes together and the music comes on. Normally what happens is I choke up and start getting all teary-eyed, and uh, I try to make sure my kids aren't looking at me at that moment, just a bit of hay fever. And, um, but I love that moment. I, I, I love the moment when the Lord shows up. I just love that moment where there's a, a sense of God. I was in a setting yesterday morning 
in Leicester and the band started to play and the people of God started to sing and the Lord presenced himself in our gathering. I turned to my friend, I said, the Lord's here. So I love that moment. I, I, love, I love moments in life. I love the moment where as a family we gather around the table and there's food and you know, the, our kids are growing up and they're not, not everyone's present for every meal, but I love that moment. I love, I love the moment where you cut into a perfectly cooked egg and the yolk runs out. <laughs> I, I, um, I love the moment last week when 18 people went down into the water and came up out of the water and every time I'm going, yeah, come on, I love that moment. And I, I'm sure you probably have your own moments, things that you love in life, probably nothing to do with an egg, but I'm sure you have your moments. I've come to believe this, uh, that the joy of life is found in the moments, but the legacy of life is found in the momentum. The joy of life is found in the moments, but the legacy of life is found in the momentum. I want to talk today about the big mo, turning the moment into momentum. You, you may possibly have come across the phrase, the big mo. It's been coined in various settings at various times. It really means momentum on a large scale. Sometimes people talk about you've got the big mo, and it means you've got momentum with you. Uh, John Maxwell, in his uh, famous book, 20, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, Law 16 is the law of the big mo. And he's saying if you're leading something, if you've got momentum, it's your best friend. The power of the big mo, the power of momentum. Yesterday morning, England rugby team got the big mo. And uh, the momentum, and I don't know if you were excited, I was very, very excited. And uh, I don't know if there's any Kiwis in the house today, uh, probably keeping your heads down if you are. But um, how awesome was that for England to get through to the final? Um, but they got momentum early on, they pressed the game, and they, they got an early score, they got momentum on their side. Sometimes in a sports match, momentum can switch very quickly, there can be a shot or something or a pressure point, and somebody misses it, and somebody takes it, and suddenly the, the score is maybe only changed by one point, but the momentum has shifted, and things start to change. There is power in momentum. Momentum, naturally speaking, is the force that keeps an object moving or an event developing after it has started. Physics will tell you, I'm not a scientist, but I do understand this, that momentum, if you do any GCSEs, is mass times velocity. P equals MV, I, I, I believe. So Google told me. Um, I, I believe that we see in the Bible many moments. Our God, he's the God of the moment, but he's also the God of the momentum. He's the God who encounters us in moments of presencing himself. There are, there are times in our lives, the epiphanies, the, the Bethels, those times where God might come and meet us. And they can be the defining moments of our lives or decisions that we take, like those being baptized last week or people responding to the gospel for the first time last week. And those are moments, but I believe the primary reason why God meets us in the moments is to springboard us into a momentum. It's not that we might just look for those moments alone, but actually trigger something for a life of faithfulness and consistency and endurance that we keep going and we build a momentum with the faithfulness of our lives, the outworking of our calling. He'll come in a moment. I believe he's looking to birth 
change and devotion and persistence out of those moments. In creation, there, there were moments. You know, God spoke. Uh, I find it profound. I don't know if you do, but it says the, it says it, the earth was formless. Uh, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God spoke. Let there be light. And there was light. There is a moment that changes everything. And yet what we see in creation, we see those moments of divine intervention that only God himself could have performed. And yet he creates sustainability within what he has performed. Out of the moment he births a momentum. He sets the stars in the sky to, and the, the lights to govern the day and govern the night. Setting out of a moment a momentum of sustainability. He creates plants, the Bible says, that are seed-bearing, that God puts in place something in a moment that brings forth a momentum, that he produces animals and fish and male and female created in his own image and likeness with the ability to reproduce in order that there might be a momentum of creation. God, in some of the mighty moments of encounter, he sets forth a momentum calling Moses in the burning bush, the, the very presence of God, that this man who kind of has lost his way a little bit encounters the Lord himself and God speaks to him out of the bush and says this is holy ground and there's a moment, a life-changing moment, 40 years on the backside of the desert and right there God steps in and encounters Moses but only that there might be a turnaround in his life in order that he might become a deliverer for the people of God, Israel and lead them out of captivity in towards the promised land, a moment in order that there might be a momentum. And I believe it's a principle in our lives. We should be people that hunger after the moment, that open up our lives and our hearts, that seek after God, that learn to press in, that posture ourselves openly in order that we might meet him. But really our focus is in building a momentum. And also to understand that when God visits us, sometimes in the moments of his grace and his presence, he does so to get a momentum going. He meets us in the moment, but he matures us in the momentum. We can perceive the moment, but we must pursue the momentum, the faithfulness, the day in, day out. See, I can have an encounter with God one day. I can have tears running down my face, but am I gonna walk it out? Am I gonna live it out? Am I gonna live a life, as the Bible says, worthy of the calling, worthy of the moment that is the momentum. We respond in the moment, but we must remain in the momentum. I'd like, if you've got a Bible, to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. One of the great pictures of this in the New Testament for me is the life of Peter. Called in a moment, God appears to him. In a moment, Jesus calls him as a disciple with a miracle in a boat, but then we see his life progress. I love the transparency and the openness of the Bible. You see his mistakes as well as his successes, but you also see him get towards the end of his days and there is a momentum of faithfulness. He has become something. He has become someone. And this is the call on our lives. Luke 5, verse 2. This is Jesus. He says he, it says, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They, they got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let 
down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people or you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. What, what an incredible moment. Like, can you imagine being Simon Peter at that moment? Jesus, the, the emerging rabbi, the, the, the little known, this, this one who'd come out of a baptism and a 40 days in the wilderness and begins to preach and says, hey, can I, can I borrow your boat to preach from? Let, let it become a pulpit. And then says, hey, while I'm here, why don't we get some fish? And Simon's like, look, we've, it's hopeless. We've been out all night. There's just nothing. And this isn't really the time of day or, or night to be fishing. And Jesus asked him, he says, well, because you say so, I'll do it. And there's this miracle. And Simon Peter understands he's in the presence of greatness. And his response is, please, I, I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy of this. And, and Jesus says, ha, from now on, never mind the fish. I've got a dis different course for you. What a moment, the prophecy. And then we see Peter's life unfold. We, we see him in the boat another time. And Jesus, in the watch of the night, he's coming out. Jesus walking on the water. And, and they're terrified. But then, then they think maybe it's Jesus and and he cries out, I mean, what madness is this? He says, if it's you, Lord, bid me come on the water. And he says, come. And Peter steps out of the boat and walks on the water. We see Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus glorified, and Moses and Elijah. And, and he's there. We see him with the raising of the little girl in the room. He's there. He sees it. We also see some of his mistakes where, where he says to, to Jesus, you'll never go to the cross. Don't let it happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. We see him denying Jesus. We see in, in Gethsemane, where the, the guards come and Judas comes. And the Bible says, well, I, well, I love it actually, because Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke all say, one of them drew their sword and, and cut off an ear of a servant. And John says, it was Peter. Love that. There we go. Oh, it was one of us. And John goes, no, it was Peter. <laughs> it's like, let's not pretend. It wasn't going to be anybody else, was it? And then his denial, but then his reinstatement. And then we see him in the early church. We see the Holy Spirit poured out. We see him standing up on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit's poured out. And the crowd is gathered and proclaiming Jesus. This Jesus whom you crucified. God has made both Lord and Christ. And the Bible says 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. This is Peter. We see his vision in Acts 10 where, where he's there. And the Lord appears to him three times and speaks to him to go to the house of, of a Gentile 
called Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. They're speaking in tongues before he's finished his message, and he has to go back and report to the brothers, and they say, wow, this gospel is even for the Gentiles. They just hadn't seen what God was doing, and Peter's there right in the middle of it. We see him thrown in prison and miraculously walking out, and we see the moment of encounter in the boat becoming a momentum of a faithful life, of a mature life, and this is the call for us. Friends, not, not that we despise the moment, never despise the moment. Let us be a people who hunger and thirst after God and position ourselves to, to be in moments of encounter, but that we don't just stop there, but we position ourselves to in the days of quiet. You know, you read the accounts in the Bible and you see incredible things happening to people. But then sometimes years go by. It's like 17 years later, then Abraham. What happened in the 17 years? Momentum, the faithfulness. Nothing remarkable to write home about. And sometimes our lives can be like that. We can have moments where God met us, but then do we stay on track? Do we build a momentum out of that moment? And shortly before he was crucified for his faith in Christ, Peter wrote his second epistle. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Simon Peter introducing himself, a servant, I love that. A servant and an apostle. A doulos, a bondservant without any rights to myself and an apostle of Jesus. His divine power, he writes, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. As we read these verses, I'm not going to unpack them in any detail, but just observe the man behind the words that this unschooled fisherman in Luke 5 is now writing to the people of God, saying things like this. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. The moment has become a momentum. He's grasped something of what this means, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort. Can we say make every effort? He's urging a momentum. This, this man of the moment who says, get away from me, suddenly, now, well, not suddenly, 30 years on, a momentum on. He's writing with, with such intensity. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control. Don't think he's writing this just, just in a run of words. I believe he's learned to live this. And self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, can we say increasing measure? It's momentum. He understands. He's put these things in place in his life. They'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not urging a moment, he's urging a momentum. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort, there's that phrase again, to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Wow. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My friends, the moment has become a momentum. Why am I 
bringing this message today? Well, firstly, I believe this is a principle in our lives. We have to understand that out of the moments of encounter, the moments where God presences himself, he's looking to birth and build a momentum in our lives. And it's immature of us, I think, to, to enjoy the moment and think it was just about the moment. I love the moment in the presence of God. There's nowhere else I'd rather be, but I have to see it through maturing eyes that say, thank you, God, for this moment. Now, what do I do with that? How do I use this as a springboard to grow in my faith, to step more into what you are calling me to do? If we understand this principle, we won't go chasing the moment, although we'll be open to the moment. We'll set our lives for momentum. And I've seen over 25 years of pastoral ministry that one of the markers that differentiates those who are returning a harvest, as the parable says, 30, 60, even 100-fold, and those who are not, are those who learn to take the moment and make it a momentum. Those who learn and pray and ask God to help to create the big mo from those moments of encounter. I also bring this message today because I believe we're in a season of moments. And I thank God for that. I, I pray that this house would be a house of divine moments, that there would be encounter in the presence of God, healings, people getting saved, epiphanies, callings, transformation. I believe for a house of moments that this would be a Bethel, and a, a place where God himself would dwell and meet people. People would walk in off the street and be transformed and have a moment. And more than the last seven years, hearing of People turning to Christ here, getting healed physically. Next week, we head into a five-week series, which we're running through our life groups as well as on the pulpit on Sundays, a passion for the presence of God. And I'm so excited. It's one of our core values. And I believe we're going to have some powerful moments as we press in and we, we talk and learn and pray how to encounter. But, but friends, that we might turn that into a momentum. As Esther spoke out, I believe prophetically, two or three weeks ago, that from a season of visitation to a season of habitation, turning the moments into momentum. In January, we'll, we'll begin our year again next year as we did this year in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And what a gorgeous time that was to press into God. I remember for myself, like the final lunchtime prayer meeting, I, literally, I had to go to the corner of the room and weep because I'm like, God, I don't want this to end. Hadn't eaten for 19 days. I'm like, God, I don't want this to end because this is so beautiful. And yet, as many of you enter in, in that 21 days and make room for God and clear the decks of some habits and, uh, and, and distractions in your life and, and engage in a spiritual fast as well as prayer, something incredible is going to happen. You'll have moments of encounter, renewal of desire for God himself, but will we translate that into a momentum? Or if we will, church, and become more of a praying church, more of a passionate church, more of a set-apart church, what might the Lord do in our lives and in and through this community? Two, years ago, two weeks ago, forgive me, our Vision Sunday, many people responding in faith in the moment, and yet there's a key that God's not looking just for response in a moment, but actually that we might work that out and learn to walk in a momentum of faith, from the faith step to the faith 
walk, if we can learn this principle in this season, I think what God might do through us will really astound us. What I'm saying today is that I believe God is looking for these moments to become momentum, that we might learn if God speaks, if he provokes, if he draws near, if he graces us with his presence, he might be looking for a moment. If we go back to Luke 5, we see some of the way that Peter responds because he, he's an example for us of how he turned the moments of encounter into the momentum of a godly life. Firstly, I'd like us to consider his proactivity. Can we say proactivity? proactivity. His proactivity. The, the Bible says that, that although initially he said, I'll get away from me, a sinful man, when Jesus speaks, it says they pulled the boats up onto the shore and left everything and followed him. He understood there was a response required in the moment, that the moment was drawing something from him. It was demanding something from him. There was no negotiation, no dithering, no waiting, no, nothing other than a response in the moment to say, yes, Lord. And in the moment, we have to learn to say, yes, Lord. I, I believe if we're the people that will say, yes, Lord, in a moment, and not question or wait or doubt or put it off or procrastinate, then actually we'll be the people that turn that moment into a momentum in our lives. There's almost always an action coming out of a moment in God. Two weeks ago, we were uh, just on the eve before our Vision Sunday, we were out with, uh, for dinner with Denise Kagenvan and, and Avril, and we're talking about what God's doing in Coventry and the unity of the churches and, and how we're gathering to pray together and mission and we're just overflowing our excitement. And, and some of the things that, that uh, we believe are, are important for 2020, I've started to talk about. And there's one particular aspect where some church leaders have spoken to me about my role in it and I've, I've been hesitant. And I started to speak not at all about my role, just about this aspect of what I believe God wants to do next year. And I literally choked up. I'm trying to speak over dinner. We're out at a restaurant and I could not speak. I, I, like Tears start streaming down my face. I had to take my glasses off. And, and I mean, it's a bit embarrassing. I mean, the Lord presenced himself in that comment and I couldn't talk. And all I could choke out eventually was, excuse me, I'm having a moment. I was like, sorry, sorry, forgive me, give me, give me a minute. But who knows that, that actually the Lord was speaking to me in a moment in order that I might take an action. You see, if I come away from that and go, well, Lord, that was interesting or that was embarrassing or, or that was nice because I sensed your presence in that or let's go back to that restaurant and tell that same story to some other people and see if it happens again. No, there's an action, there's a proactivity. I have to be alert to that, say, Lord, you're doing something in this moment and I need to make some adjustments. I need to reprioritize some things in order that I can step into what I believe you're calling me to. There might not be another moment associated with that, but will I turn it into a moment? Will I be faithful with what the Lord has prompted me to do? 
the early part of the summer, Stuart Austin, that many of you will know, shared a story with me, and uh, I was aware because he'd sent a text out. He's a landscape gardener. Many of you know Stu. He oversees our stewarding teams on a lot of Sundays, a really incredible, faithful guy here, and uh, he's a landscape gardener, and he does his business out of his truck, and all of his tools are in his truck, and he got up one morning uh, uh, in the summer and uh, went out to his truck to go to a job, and, and his truck wasn't there. And he thought, oh, I parked it around the corner. And he went around the corner, it wasn't there. And he realized it had been stolen. And so then he thought, oh, no. And so he, like, he phones the police, and the police are looking at CCTV. The police can't track it, find it. And he's got a job to go to that he can't go to. He's got no tools, he's got no transport, doesn't know quite what to do with all of this. And, uh, and, and I, I know if that was any of us, we'd probably be feeling a bit upset at that point. And, and Stu's just trying to work it out. And... Uh, and I understand like he posted some things about his situation really for, for prayer and response on social media. And, but on Sunday, a few days go by, and then on Sunday he's in church, and, uh, and Esther's preaching on forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside him, and, uh, and, and there's a moment, because he's going, Stu, the truck. And, and I don't know about you, but, you know, if that was me in that moment, I, I'm not sure I'd much feel like forgiving the people, but Stu knew that the Lord was speaking to him. And so that, in that moment, he released and forgave, but he also, he felt he needed to take a further action, and so he posted on social media something later that day, I completely forgive and release the person or the people who take my truck, who've taken my truck, and I'm just going to trust the Lord, or something like that. He took an action. He, he acted out of the moment. Instead of wrestling or fighting or going, I'm not going to do it, he embraced it. He took an action. And then a day or so later, some bizarre, I think if I've got the story right, somebody like totally unknown to him saw the post and also outside their house in another part of the country was Stu's truck. And he gets in touch and ends up phoning, going, literally, I can see your truck. And Stu manages to get there, and it's his truck, and everything is there. All the tools are there. And he goes, Martin, I, I knew I needed to forgive in order to get the truck back. <laughs> it's like, wow. But, but what's happening here, it's not even a moment. It's now a story. It's a principle. It's a foundation in their family. It's something, it's a legacy, because God wants to turn a moment, a principle. His ways are higher than our ways. Why am I telling that story? Because for all of us, there might be a moment, it might even be the conviction of the Spirit, but the Lord comes to your side, not to condemn you, but to propel you into a momentum of a higher life, of walking in the ways of God, of learning some things for yourself. Not because not you know them, because you've heard them from a pulpit, but because you've appropriated them. It's how God works. Secondly, I'd like us to know it's not just his proactivity, but his proximity. They left everything. Verse 11 of Luke 5 says, and followed him. Can we all say followed him? Amen. He went with Jesus. He stayed with Jesus. The moment became a momentum because he walked with Jesus. Peter's life is a life of proximity. It's a, it's a life, we, we, in the book of Acts, where Jesus has ascended to the Father, Peter's there in the upper room, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, there's, there's the paralytic who's been healed, and he's called to question, called to account, and the Bible says, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he turns to the Sanhedrin, and he starts addressing them. So salvation is found in no one else. 
If we're called to account today because God in his mercy has healed someone, let it be known salvation is found in no one else. And the Bible says they took note that this unschooled fisherman had, and I love the phrase, been with Jesus. The, the religious elite saw this guy who, who hadn't had the education that they'd had, but he was running rings around them, and they took note that he'd been with Jesus. The proximity of his walk, it had turned a moment into a momentum in his life. If there's a, a primary key, it's that we would be people of proximity, people who learn to walk it out, learn not to wait just for the next moment. The people that were baptized last week to to learn to walk with him daily. The moment of, of a baptism Sunday, which should be special and is special, but actually from there to build and walk with him. Yesterday, I had the privilege of speaking to 100 or so leaders in Leicester, a powerful gathering, spurring them on to, to dare to believe greatly for the things of God. You know, when I was 19 and I got baptized, I would never have dared to think I might be in a setting like that and my call isn't your call but I've just learned to keep walking if I look back on 30 years I've I've just kept walking I've just kept close to him every season every day every week every month every year and the days turn to weeks and months and years and decades but if we learn to walk with him we'll learn to walk in our purpose Sometimes I see people, they encounter God in a special way or in a certain place or under a certain ministry, and they go chasing after that experience again. And I'm not despising hunger, but maturity doesn't go chasing after a replica of that experience. Peter doesn't come and go, wow, that was amazing. Let's do it again. Let's get out in the lake. Let's have another miraculous catch of fish. He doesn't go after the place or the provision. He goes after the person. Friends, we have to go after the person of Jesus, the person of encounter. Our daughter Anna, who's in this service, give me permission to, to tell this story and anecdote leading up to Vision Sunday a couple of weeks ago. She'd been praying, you know, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to pledge? Stepped out massively last year and then kind of completed her pledge and then it comes around again. I think she was serving on Treasure Kids on the week before uh, Vision Sunday, and so I hadn't heard the sermon, so she tuned into the podcast, and, and Esther, her own mum, is preaching, she's listening, taking notes, and she comes down, and says, I know what I need to do, and she's like joyful and excited, and, and shares an amount with us, which frankly blew me away, because I know how much pocket money she gets, and I know that just on a normal run rate of pocket money, she literally can't do this out uh, the next year, but it's her faith. But then on, on, on Vision Sunday itself, she's in the service and has a moment. And the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to her and gives her a different number. And she comes to speak to mom. Go, I think I was wrong. I need to do something else. And so mom says, well, just, why don't you just put 10 pounds on? She's like, no, that's not the number. I need to double it. And so mom goes, well, if you know it's God, you need to do it. Step out in faith. She steps out in faith. But then this week, I love it because she talked to us and, and she said, you know, Dad, I, I want to walk this with God this year. I don't want this to just be birthed out of my own hard work and extra jobs and sacrifice. I want to walk it with him. I'm going, this is it. This is exactly it. Because God's not actually after your money. See, to her, it's an enormous amount. But in the big scheme of what we're doing, it's a small amount. 
It's not the amount, it's the journey. Because I believe God is not just looking for her response in the moment. He's looking for her walk. He's looking to grow something out of intimacy this year. Yes, he will provide. Of course he will provide. Of course, if she stays close to him and prays it through. You know, for us this, this year, we're, we're seeking and fulfilling our pledge, not to wait for God to do a miracle at the end, but every month, believe in him every month. God, help us. We've broken it down into 12. So God, would you help us this month? Why? Because it helps us to walk with him. And it builds something into us. And it, out of intimacy and proximity, something grows in us. And a moment of faith to respond becomes a momentum of faith in our lives. Obadiah's testimony in our vision booklet. Some of you, well, many of you will probably have read, but you might have missed. It's actually a masterclass on how to do this. He says, last year heading into Vision Sunday, I felt God speaking to me. This was in this year's booklet from 2018 about a certain amount he wanted me to pledge. The amount was triple the amount I pledged before. Notice how God was growing his faith. Additionally, I knew that in the coming year I had to save up for a significant expense, which was similar to the amount as the vision offering God was prompting me to pledge. I wrestled a bit, but I eventually decided to obey God. And then he says, so this year, by continued intimacy and obedience. If you know Obadiah, he's a man of prayer. And actually, he's walked this out of prayer. And something has grown in him. The friends are like, seriously, this is not, it's not about the money. It's about what God is doing in us. It's turning a moment of faith and response into a momentum of faith in our lives. And he says, I was able to save up for both the significant expense and redeem my whole vision pledge by the start of September, more than a month in advance. Hallelujah. I thank God for his grace and love as a good father who delights in providing for our every need through intimacy and obedience. In this series about the presence of God, I I know we'll encounter his presence, but that we might learn to walk it out, not just look to come to a, a meeting or a setting or to put on that song that, that we connect with or we experienced goosebumps when we listened to it. And I'm not despising any of the things and the ways we might find him, but to learn to walk it out in proximity, to become presence carriers. Well, we're not waiting for a corporate gathering, but we're walking it out. In proximity. And finally, we see his perseverance, his proactivity, his, his proximity, and his perseverance. We don't actually see it in the text, forgive me for that, because it just says they left everything and followed him, and really not much has happened yet. But as you read on, you see his persistence. You see him in prison, but you see him faithful. You see him flogged, but you see him faithful. You see the years go by, and you read the letter, the letters of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and you see that. That the rock that Jesus called out of Simon, I'll call you Cephas because you're rocky. I see something solid in you that wasn't in him. I mean, we read the, the Gospels. He was not the rock. You know, some people, they're safe people, right? There's some people, they're reliable people. There's some people that are consistent people. I don't think that was really Peter. But Jesus called it out of him and then you see it. He is that guy. He becomes that guy because he turns a moment into momentum by perseverance, by keeping going. Shortly after writing to Peter, history tells us that Peter was crucified upside down for his faith in Christ. Knowing that in Rome he was going to be crucified, he, at his own request, said, please, if you're going to crucify me, do it upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. Perseverance. 
perseverance. He tripped up a few times, but he kept going. We tell him, my friend, if you've tripped up a few times, just got to keep going. It's not how we start, it's how we finish. He didn't let his mistakes hold him back. And I love it, he denies Jesus. Well, I don't love that he denied Jesus, but I love it when he denies Jesus, Jesus reinstates him. And he comes and, and he's called in this moment of a miraculous catch of fish. And then three years on, he's denied him. Now he's, he's probably, if we understand the Jewish tradition, thrown out of the Talmud and thrown out of the, the disciples because you can't keep following a rabbi and deny your rabbi. I think that's why Jesus says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And then they're out. He says, I'm going fishing. I've got to go back to, it's not worked out. I've failed. I'm, I'm going to go back. And he, they're out fishing. And Jesus, the risen Jesus appears on the, the shores of Galilee. And he's hidden from them. They, they can't know in this moment it's him. And, and he says, hey, guys, how's it going? They go, ah, oh, nothing, rubbish. Not even caught a, a minnow. He says, try the other side. I mean, what madness is this? And they say, okay, we'll try the other side. And they throw the nets over. And, and, and suddenly, whoosh, the boat's being propelled by the fish, filling the, filling the nets. And John goes, it's the Lord. Peter goes, I've got deja vu. I, I've, I was in a boat before. This happened once before. It's Jesus. And he gets in and he swims to the shore. And I mean, it's the most beautiful story. And they encounter, he says, do you love me more than these? And you know what Jesus says at the end of that? He says, follow me. The very words he spoke to him at the beginning, just follow me. Keep following me. Persevere. Keep going. Don't give up carry on. Be faithful. Pursue me. In the good days and the bad days, in the, in the days where heaven is like brass and, and God it feels you're crying out to him and you can't hear his voice, just keep going. Persevere. Do not throw away your confidence Hebrews says, for it will be richly rewarded, but persevere. We learn out of the moments of encounter to persevere then we'll turn the moments into a momentum. I wonder if the band would come and join me as we finish today. I want to bring us back to the ultimate moment. The ultimate moment, the moment of the cross, the, the, the ultimate moment in the whole of history where Jesus hangs on the cross and pours himself out. The moment that causes the temple curtain to be torn from top to bottom where he makes a way for us to enter in. The ultimate moment that demands from our lives a momentum of faithfulness. I want to encourage you today, if you're running out of steam, my friend, my brother, my sister, set your face again. Say, I'm going to be one that follows Jesus with my whole heart. Because in that moment, he made a way for me. He saved me. He reconciled me. He called me. He called my name. calls your name. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. If you're bald, he knows every wrinkle on your head. He knows everything about you, everything that has happened, everything that will happen. Will you pursue him? Will you go after him? My prayer is that we would be a people of the moment, a people that are so open and desiring 
and hungry that God will come and visit us, but that overmore we will be the people of the momentum, the people that learn to take those moments and put them into practice and live them out. Take whatever action we need to take and walk in proximity and learn to persevere that Christ would be formed in us. I wonder as we finish if we could stand together and if we begin to pray, I'm going to lead us in prayer here just for a little bit longer. I want to invite you to open up your heart if you know something of the goodness of God before we sing about that ultimate moment, the power of the cross. And I pray, God, that you would help us Help us to learn. Help us, God, to be people that position our hearts, that posture our lives open for you, that we would be people of encounter, that we would be people who have moments in your presence. But I pray, would you help us to turn those moments into the momentum of a faithful, godly life, that we would participate in the divine nature that we'd be able to say like Paul at the end of our days, I have been poured out like a drink offering. I have fought the good fight. I have run the race and I've kept the faith. I pray would you help us, God. Help us as your people to be people of the moment and people of momentum. And today we say thank you for the cross. Thank you for that ultimate moment, your grace and your sacrifice. God, we come and we worship and let our lives be shaped in a response to it. For the honor and glory of your name. Let our lives this week, let us build on a momentum of trusting you and walking with you. Help us, we pray, that you might be formed in us.